Hello, welcome. I'd like to welcome you to the second episode of the Escape to Autonomy podcasts. I am Gonzo, your host. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Dan and drinking uh, some Irish whiskey, as usual. Very nice. And, um, oh yeah, the good old go-to, Proper 12, not a sponsor. Uh, (laughs) Not yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, not yet. Uh, Conor McGregor hit me up. Uh, but yeah, moving on. <laughs> I'm Callie. I had a THC gummy earlier and it was grape flavored. Oh. Are you feeling it yet? I felt the buzz a little bit. Maybe that's why I was singing earlier. <laughs> Are you feeling it now, <laughs> Mr. Crab? <laughs> I like singing when I'm drunk, so that's that's pretty good. I'm drinking Tito's because I am out of everything else. So vodka it'll be. <laughs> that's All not right. a bad backup. Potato drunk. Hey, All right. <laughs> you know, Texan Russian. Show me a potato I won't eat or consume. Have have you seen Belgian uh, Belgium's health minister? That's a potato you wouldn't eat. There's a potato I wouldn't eat. You know, I just had a thought. Yeah, that There's is one potato that I would say way the hell away from. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Well, I am washing down about four grams of psilocybin chocolate with a uh, a sweet baby java. It's an espresso bean-infused chocolate peanut butter porter. Holy fuck. So it should be... I'm just going to recommend stay away from mirrors. <laughs> this should be an interesting episode. I mean, I wanted to be in the, uh, the proper mind space to discuss our topic today. We're, we're coming up on even the proper time of year to discuss our topic today, which is community and not drugs, not drugs. No, that's, that's a different episode that (laughs) I'm sure we will have. I mean, also some drugs, but (laughs) so mostly community. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the one sticking point that I notice, uh, a lot of anarchist libertarian types run into because you know you hear a lot of okay escape the government you know i want to live in the woods but as far as community goes it's it's really tough to build a community when you think that everyone's a fucking fed and you can't trust anybody and not to mention i mean it's it's hard to find two anarchists that can get along without arguing let alone undertake right. a giant project. I mean, spend spend but a day I mean, on Liberty if Twitter. If you don't think everyone's a Fed, then you're probably a Fed. Got to be a Fed. Dun, probably have dun, a big old dun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, and I I want to point out the fact that community isn't just your neighbors. It, it can be and it includes your neighbors but i mean if you're a church goer 
your church as a community. You know, if you have uh, a social club that you're a part of, whether, you know, it used to be shit like the Moose Lodge or, you know, things like that, that can, you can build community. The that Masonic way. Lodge. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I guess. There's this one group in my local community where they work with uh, people with mental health issues like me, and you get to do volunteering for the community where uh, one of the events they had was to make blankets and quilts for the homeless. I feel like you Oh, yeah, I got a whole bit on volunteering. All right. Yeah, and you can you can definitely build community through voluntary, uh, voluntary action. I, I think that's a great right. way to go about it. Um, do do online groups count? Like, we're we're all active on Discord and Twitter and other places. Uh, all of this started with online. Yeah, I mean, like especially nowadays, capacity, like a, a lot of relationships form online. Uh, fr- friendly relationships, otherwise unfriendly <laughs> relationships, but er- every every relationship nowadays seems to just kind of form online and you have those online relationships and then you have your other relationships that were previously formed before the world ended. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's some definite fucking truth in that statement. Right. (laughs) So like a little bit, it's also, you know, what you consider community to be like, there's there's different levels of community, and I think that I I consider Twitter more of a community of like-minded individuals, or where you can find like-minded individuals. I mean, obviously, you're not going to agree on everything, but there definitely is that community, mm-hmm. that sense of community there. And of course, it can go farther, and maybe you can have like real friendships, and there's events. But for the most part, I think it's more of finding someone who kind of thinks like you and then you can build from there. I feel like Twitter's a bit... Really, I think there's not a... I was just going to say, I feel like Twitter's an echo chamber that's attached to the void that, you know, you and your buddies scream into. It's... It's a community in so much that you can interact with your echo chamber. I'll grant it that. Right. Uh, but there's, I, I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with echo chambers. Echo chamber has a negative connotation nowadays, but really I don't think there's anything wrong with echo chambers. I mean, that's sort of a definition of community. Uh, so I agree. I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. I'd, I'd say How it's neutral. Say um, as, as long as you know outside of your echo chamber, just venture outside of the echo chamber every once in a while just to, you know, recenter yourself. All right, I wanted to kind of ask you, why do you say community is like an echo chamber? I kind of would like an explanation. Uh, well, so, okay, well, I'll just jump into my definition of community, which is a net, it's, it's your network of people whether it be uh, negative relationships or positive relationships. It's just people you interact with, Um, people you cherish or people you wouldn't piss on if they were on fire. Everyone that you've ever interacted with is your network, 
which your network is your community. Reminds me of Jordan Peterson saying you're a node on a network when you look at it like that. Exactly. Exactly. You're a node on a network. Damn, it's I interesting. Jordan Peterson. I didn't really... <laughs> I didn't really think of uh, considering your negative influences to be a part of your community, but I guess it's fair to say that they are because you do interact mm -hmm. with people that you don't necessarily want to deal with, and you do it in a certain way. And so I guess exactly. it, I, I guess it does fucking count. You know, that's that's a pretty big brain take there, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think another way community there's community is kind of like when um, two people get married or kind of live together for long enough where they can be considered married because it's like their families kind of conjoined and it becomes it becomes its own separate community in a way. Like there is many ways and many definitions of community, but I think it just it starts from yourself as the individual and you slowly build out and then. You have like your four circles, mm -hmm. right? When it comes to these things, yep. there's your close friends. Then there's like your acquaintances, like some and some family members. And then there's the other circle, which is like physicians, lawyers, dentists, etc., therapists. Yeah, I think that's a that's also a pretty good take. Is that um, it, it, there's going to be a lot of fracturing. Uh, you'll, you'll never be able to keep the same community. Um, I think there's always going to be fracturing, and that's just something you have to deal with. Uh, that goes along with the negative relationship thing. Uh, if you form enough negative relationships, it could fracture a community, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, it could weaken it a little bit, but just build it back out. So, yeah, it's always changing. Community is always changing. So, like, I I just have a question for you. If say what you just said happens, like, it, there's just so many negative relationships occurring that a community is fractured. Yeah. Explain to me the, your your kind of like your rinse repeat method there of just do it again, build it back up, fix it, go again. If it didn't work the first time. Why will it the second time? Uh, I'm really just, just continuing to be you and interact with people that you – right, right, yeah. It's, re it's really just continuing to be yourself, uh, continuing to interact with people that – well, really try to interact with as much people as you can, uh, someone that has skills that you want to share or someone that you share interests with um, along those lines. Uh, and not – don't be aggressive, which is the non-aggression principle, uh, which is another episode. But um, just uh, don't don't aggress on anyone. Just kind of be yourself, and then form those relationships naturally, um, and then kind of see what happens from there. Rayman tactics, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I guess for me, like that's kind of the the demise of the idea of community for me is that inevitably, in my mind, kind of inherently, 
people suck. It's, it's just their nature. In some capacity, everyone sucks in a different way. Um, and with that, uh, when you put enough yeah. people in a small enough space, you're going to get negative relationships. And I agree with you. It's going to cause uh, a fracture is a really good word for it in a community. And I do see that that being a cycle personally. That's how I view it. Even if you do recover from it, likely over time, you will have that same problem again. And that for me is it makes community kind of, in a sense, a little bit more of a hindrance than a, an asset. Like it's, I'll give you a little bit of, and toxic. I'll give you a little bit of pushback on that because, um, you decide your, your own level of involvement just to borrow a line from some book and movie you do decide your own level of involvement and if there's somebody who you know say that they're a raging neocon fud you know not necessarily somebody you want in your inner circle but they have valuable skills like maybe they're a veterinarian now i i'm good with animals but i'm no vet and you know, maybe as a human, I can stand this individual enough that their views don't need to stand in the way of our association. Just because you're a part of my community doesn't make you a part of my inner circle to borrow from Callie's uh, example. And I feel like to have yeah. a strong circle, you, you're going to run into people whose skills outshine their philosophy or whatever personality foibles they may have. And I feel like diplomacy is a huge part of community. And I don't mean that as in you kiss ass, like it's a popularity contest, but in your own mind, you, you have to be pragmatic and realize, listen, this, this person's skills are more valuable to me than the slight amount of irritation I may, you know, incur in dealing with them. And I, I agree that there are levels to it. And I love the added element of keeping your enemies close as it were in that, you know, the people that you don't like and don't associate with are still part of your community, like Dan said. And so what levels of diplomacy do you feel like are useful? Like, help me think this out. Civility, I think, is definitely useful. You don't have to, like, love the person, but as long as you, like, treat them with some form of respect, I think that is good enough, like, if you don't like a person. Amen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's common pretty well put. That's pretty much way. been my philosophy throughout life: is just kind of, just kind of approach people with a, a neutral stance. Um, you don't have to love them or hate them. Just a, approach them with a neutral stance, and then decide from their actions. Common courtesy, or as Jane Austen uh, would say, good breeding. So every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Exactly. Yep. And uh, really, you can. Um, I think that's a pretty good line to approach everything with. Honestly, that's a good point. Is civility, 
Civility should be your midline. That should just be your basis, and then go from there. Yeah, I mean, I I know I'm coming off as the skeptic here, but I mean, I like there's I do see a lot of value within community. Like it, I you'd be ignorant not to, in some sense at least. Like mm-hmm. there's there's definitely a lot of perks, but it depends on what your goal is and what it is you're trying to do. What purpose do you intend for your community to serve? I feel like then determines how you build your community and whether or not it'll function the way you need it to. Now that makes sense. Actually building a community to meet your end goal. I don't think that people look at it like that. And there's part of my brain that's telling me right now, like, this is really fucking manipulative to think this way, but isn't it better to have an honest purpose than to just wander aimlessly and drag people in your wake, you know? Yeah. I mean, so coming from me, I'm, I feel like I'm a pretty accomplished misanthrope. I mean, I'm just, (laughs) I, uh, I'm I'm cynical as hell. I just I don't trust a lot of people. Uh but I I feel like approaching everyone with just basic human civility, like Callie said, is is really it, it should be a baseline. Uh you don't you don't have to be chummy with them, you don't have to be a dick to them. But you can get a you can get a lot further just being civil, and then you can go from there. Uh, if they're just being unreasonable, then you know they can go fuck themselves with a cactus. Uh, but because <laughs> <laughs> a cheese then, grater is yeah. too much work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just kind of a. a approach everything with a neutral stance and I think civility is neutral and that's coming from the world's biggest misanthrope alright that sounds like valuable advice and I think I'll take it Um, I think we should uh, bring up skill sharing when it comes to community that you might want community is that you don't know everything nor can you do everything so this is kind of a uh, a mark to the positive for virtual communities. Like um, our buddy Agora Brewing is doing a, a free online mead making class that lasts something 10, 12 weeks. And it was just him offering like, hey, do you guys want to learn how to make mead? And I was like, the fuck yeah i do i don't know how i want to learn and he's very skilled in this trade and he's literally giving you a class for free and you're going to walk out of this with more knowledge than you did walking in and i'm happy to have him as a part of my virtual community and i i think the other valuable thing that we touched on briefly in the virtual side of things is actually having access to a large enough pool of people that there's a significant percentage that agrees 
with you generally. You know, that's how I met you, Dan. That's how I met Callie is, you know, we, we have kind of the same general direction that we move in and we bumped into each other and it turned out that, hey, you're a human I can actually stand and enjoy talking to. So I think that you should look at all of the angles that you can to build your own community. You don't have to accept the one that you were thrown into. You can build your own. Right. Kind of is kind of my thought. Yeah. Uh, with Agora Brewing or Agorism in general, really, um, one, one of, there was one thing you said in the Dissecting Liberty episode about that that really stuck out, which I absolutely loved. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because I don't remember it, but it was something like, agorism is only an element. It's not an ideology. I and do that kind of goes along with what Prothbard said. What's that? I said I, I, that's exactly what I believe. I believe it's a tool to achieve a goal, not right. an ideology. Yes. And I, I love that. I actually rewound it and listened to it again because I liked it. Uh, well, thanks, buddy. <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, man. Uh, so, but it goes along with what Rothbard said, which is something along the line of, again, paraphrasing, but you'll never have an agorist car um, unless you consider a horse a car. <laughs> uh, it's probably true, but making a car from scratch, literally from the ground up, like the Tuttle Twins about making a, something as simple as a pencil, it's nearly impossible, mining the graphite and so on. But you'll never have an agorist car. And I think that's something that stood out pretty well to me. Um, so that with community, it's a lot easier to do stuff like that. You can get your steel, you can get your, with brewing, you can get your yeast, you can get your fruit, uh, you can get your honey, all that kind of stuff. A lot easier than doing all of that yourself, which kind of comes right. with the, black market and gray market, which is still kind of agorism. Um, but that's also um, anarchism kind of, in general. Kind of speaking on the subject of black markets and agorism, um, there's elders where I I live or like on my res and then like on nearby reses where they teach about the, um, the, like the crop cycles and they also teach you about different native plants in your area so you can forage and they actually tell you the medicinal purposes of these plants too which is definitely a like useful skillshare. skillshare like it's yeah 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 okay. yeah so like skillshare i community. think that kind of goes into the building community <laughs> thing yeah like it's you while you it look if a you have, is actually a really good like, example of the community you can use the internet in a lot of ways, like we were saying earlier, to build community in a sense that you can find like-minded people. But if you're only finding strictly like-minded people with similar skill sets, it's not going to work. If you take a hundred mechanics and you put them into a community together, they're only fucking good for slinging wrenches. Like that's not a functional community. It's a hundred skilled people, but it's not going to sustain. And that's, you kind of have to have some level of difference within the community or, or, 
I guess uh, you, you have to have it's it's well, an individualistic but... thing. Like you 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 want you want a, a like-minded individual, but someone with a different skill set than you. That way, you're both valuable to one another. The mutualistic relationship. Well put, which is the kind of hierarchy thing that a lot of left libertarians and left anarchists don't really like. Well, individualists tend to recoil at that. Right. Which, kind of, I mean, so you obviously can reject all of this and just become a hermit urban legend feral mountain man uh completely networkless in every sense of the word uh and just kind of grow your own food and kill animals and eat their hearts and cook them over your uh fire out in front of your house that's completely acceptable Oh, don't even get... Oh, man, you want a bushcraft episode? Here I am, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's that's completely acceptable. You can do that for as long as your body will let you. Uh, But... Well, okay. Yeah, that's another episode. I'm not going to get into what... (laughs) Left libertarianism <laughs> and left anarchism beliefs, <laughs> but uh, they would just as soon as want that hierarchy dead, rather than just existing by themselves without anyone. <laughs> An interesting take on it, for sure. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I see your point. It's. It's a risk reward thing for me. I don't know. It's a difficult one to process. It's a it's a never ending battle within my head of is is the value of mm-hmm. this greater than the the risk or the potential negative effects of this and it's um so personally on the uh lone wolf versus community mindset, I would say it's better to have community because you could be a jack of all trades, but face it. There's so many different skills out there in the world. It's better to have a community so that way you can learn those skills and you can kind of rely on each other. And as humans, we're social creatures, and it's really best for our psyche to have a bit of community. Mental health angle. All right. All right. Uh, So my thoughts on it are the lone wolf mentality is completely, Completely possible and doable. Uh, I want to reference the show alone on History Channel, which is like this extreme it. hardcore challenge where the challengers win like five hundred thousand or a million dollars or something. I forgot what it is now, um, but they're on their own with ten items, and they just have to build a shelter. Uh, they have to catch all their own food. They can't bring food that you know whatever um but they have to survive on their own yeah and they have to completely outlast them and the last person that is around uh survives and there's a lot of people that uh like the last season that i remember was one guy uh from near me actually where he's 
he survived for, I think it was like 75 days. And he got an entire fucking moose. Like this guy literally killed a moose. Yeah. Uh, No, this is in the Arctic. No, this is in the Arctic. This guy got a moose. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had a muskie and all kinds of shit. And he fucking, he, he survived, but he was technically starving to death because he didn't have any fat. So he, he was still starving to death, and he was by himself. So, like, just trying to do that by yourself without any other means of survival. Like, if you can't go to someone and go, man, I just want a beefsteak right now, or I could really just use a of fucking fish skin, any of that, then you you absolutely have to have something else, and that's something to consider. You can starve to death while having plenty of food. Yeah, I mean it's the balance thing. I mean it that is a really good point. You can kill a whole fucking moose, smoke that moose, and eat that moose. And still over the span of less than 90 days, technically be starving to death due to a lack of fat in your diet. Right. And while he was in the Arctic and was having a hard time getting much else other than wolverines and fat moose, if I remember correctly, like there, mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of fat content available to him. So depending on your environment, you know, the lone wolf thing could be advantageous to you. Community could be advantageous to you. That's kind of what I was saying earlier with the, it's circumstantial thing. Like it, it depends on your goal and the direction you want to head in and you know, the environment you're in or the environment you ideally want to be in. How do you want this to go? Because, you know, more people could be detrimental to you. You know, if your plan is to be some fucking wood creature and go out into the wilderness, that's awesome. I'm here for it. Go for it. But that's really difficult to do. Right one person, let alone a family of five or two families of five. You just took your 75-day survival exactly time. Exactly like Callie said, like you were social creatures. Right. Humans at their core are pack animals. So I, my thoughts on the lone wolf versus community mentality are uh, I guess... I got them from uh, Les Stroud, oddly enough, who is, if you don't know, he is a badass Mm -hmm. Canadian who uh, recorded and uh, (laughs) he, he was literally Survivor Man. He was his own camera crew. He wasn't like Bear Grylls, you know, where <laughs> it was staged. He actually went into the wilderness. Stayed in a hotel. Right. Les Stroud goes into the wilderness all over the world for, you know, a week at a time and records surviving with literally nothing. And there was a recurring theme in his episodes of Survivor Man. And that was like the first three, four days he was all right. But towards the end of the week, you could see his mental health degrade and quickly. And he is one of the most knowledgeable bushcrafters you're going to come across. And it's really fucking hard for him to pull it off. So I would posit that 
think about that, you know, if you think that lone wolf is the way to go, not only is it heard physically, but it's heard mentally, and you're going to end up like Tom Hanks talking to a fucking volleyball because you're bored. So, you know... <laughs> Keep that in mind because that, I mean, honestly, that that goes back to alone. Uh, that there, there were the guy that survived the longest in alone. I think was eighty-seven days, and uh, his wife at the time when he finished said that he came back and he was feral for weeks. Like he just he just had a feral look in his eyes for weeks. And I mean, they're divorced now, so obviously it didn't work out well. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that much time alone will change a guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, sometimes even if you're put into a survival situation, like in the civilized quote-unquote world, you know, anybody that's spent any significant amount of time incarcerated can tell you that there's there's a very special kind of bushcraft and survival that goes into being incarcerated and it does have a tool on you it's a completely different set of survival skills but anytime that you're under that level of pressure for an extended period of time i think that it it changes a person you know whether it's you you are a veteran that served in a war zone whether you know you were stranded for weeks and you know had to do some crazy shit to survive i think that that mindset becomes yes. permanent and that's something to consider if you think that you're going to do this on your own that's that's me right there that's uh so <laughs> My experience as a veteran, when I was deployed, I was on what was called a retran station, which is kind of where they receive a signal and then pass it on to somewhere else, uh, just as to cover a distance. Um, and we're in the middle of nowhere, and you're constantly getting attacked. Um, they're always launching rockets and mortars at you they're always just taking pop shots um you have to steal to survive like you're you don't have a shower you're literally just in a tent that is it <laughs> and it's like that for like a year <laughs> like we had to steal a tire from another van <laughs> yeah it's just <laughs> it gets crazy i mean it's like lord of the flies it's nuts that other van. Fuck that other van. <laughs> yeah, we had to with what? Before. I mean, we tried to ask them night. To be fair, we asked them nicely, <laughs> but they said, "No, nah, man, we're getting ready to load it up." <laughs> like, okay, buddy, we won't, you know, take it. And then we went and took it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like hey, Lord of listen. the Flies. It was fucking nuts. <laughs> you did him a favor. You could have stolen the whole van. You know. That's true. <laughs> oh shit, we're retarded. <laughs> Why didn't so, we take the whole van? <laughs> one 
we kind of vaguely touched on this when we discussed <laughs> virtual communities and how those can kind of organically bring like-minded people together, but how else would you go about building your own community? Like, you know, do you seek out like-minded individuals from across the country? Do you try to do it in a hundred yes. mile radius? I mean, how, how much do you limit your poll and how, how do you go about building your own community that will help you attain the goals that you've set? Uh, well, really, I think it starts with being an individual. Um, so personal secession is first and foremost. So anyone who is interested in the ideals of freedom needs to actually personally secede and make an effort to personally secede and get a plot of land, whatever size they feel is necessary to actually be completely autonomous uh, just on a singular person level. Uh, if they wanna bring other people in that's fine and and actually encouraged, really. Uh, but if not, you know, fuck it. That's your prerogative. Who cares? Uh, but that is essentially what is required: is that people, a, a number of people, who want to secede, who want to be free, who want to just say, "Fuck all these rules. Fuck the state." fuck all of it. All I want to do is just be an individual. Declare freedom. That's all you have. That's all you can do. What are you going to do? Vote your way out of it? Yeah, not happening, buddy. Not fucking likely. That's my thoughts. Exactly. I mean, voting is what got us into this whole shit to begin with. I don't understand why people are still fucking voting. Like trying to achieve freedom through politics is, you know, asinine. It's like trying to fuck for virginity. Stop doing that. Some, some people <laughs> learn to love the sound of their own head making squishy sounds against the wall is my theory on that. Yeah, it's like stirring mac and cheese. <laughs> what do you got, Callie? Um, so regarding like echo chambers and like building community regarding freedom and how to achieve it. The way to um, achieve freedom is to do things on your own and not have to record the state to record to the state to do it like you don't need those permits you don't need those records like just live without them and just live your own life I think that's the best way to achieve it but if you're talking about community it's having a safe tight-knit group of people that you feel like you can trust where you don't have to rat on each other or have like or put in place stupid regulations and you guys just agree to just do your own thing and f the rest you know 
F the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like become become autonomous yourself. And then if you want to invite people in later, people that you actually gain a trust with, that's yeah, that's the way to go. Do that. Yeah. But don't try to gain trust with people because you'll almost certainly end up with feds and end up like the 1985 move people and then get bombed by the Philadelphia police. Mm. So that's an episode. Do it right the smart there. way. Don't don't end up like Waco. Yeah. Oh man, I got words. I got words. <laughs> but yeah, don't end up like Waco or Move. <laughs> yeah. And that's um, advice brought to you by Escape to Autonomy. <laughs> um I mean I we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier and you kind of raised a point of it you know, on the surface may seem a little manipulative, but I, I don't think it's a bad idea to associate yourself with people that have different skill sets than you, because even if you don't intend for that person to necessarily be a part of your long-term community, you are going to achieve something from one another. You're, you're, you're both going to gain something from that relationship for that period of time, whether it be a skill or just a lesson about fuck that guy. You know, it you're 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 gonna come out of it with something. Hopefully it's something valuable, but the the more people you associate with that know different things than you or think differently than you or have a different skill set than you, the more likely you are to via those people become more autonomous because you too will acquire those skills. Um and that's not something that just has to happen on a on a physical level or on a local level that can be virtual, whether it's the, the, like the mead making that was mentioned earlier, or you look at like bushcraft, we were talking about Les Stroud and survival and alone, uh, Dave Canterbury and, uh, corporal's corner, gray bearded green beret. They all run the pathfinder school, but they all also, are producing video content for people and while they're not necessarily i mean they're monetizing that via the platform in some way they're not they're just putting that information out there and you can learn a lot from these people and that i mean that's not just bushcraft or making meat i mean this extent the internet is a fucking massive place use it to your advantage why would you not um sense so, you know, uh, once again, just surround yourself with people that it, you, you want people that have a like-minded goal. Um, you want like-minded people around you. You want to have a similar goal. You want the same destination in mind. But if you can find someone that maybe thinks a little differently than you or has different skills or does things different than you, that's probably valuable in some level. I'd agree with that completely. Right. So I see several ways of going about building your own community. There are some that are already readily available. You don't have to reinvent the wheel if you can get behind an already existing project. And I'd say that it uh, increases your likelihood of success at least some amount. Like I'm talking about something like the Free State Project. You know, this is something that's been going on for quite a while already and you can go 
and embed yourself in something decades yeah you can go and embed yourself in something that's already happening or uh kyle from burning boots is talking about a free county project you know that's my bully he great fucking dude um there's childerberg town like these things i'm sorry no simple simple um childerberg town is another thing that's (laughs) being thought about dude like so you could join with you know or put your effort with a rising movement that you agree more with um one of my favorites Mm -hmm. there was a dude who um in the very northern part of california in uh, klamath county he bought a campground and basically he was like a salesman or some sort of businessman that decided that he didn't want that for his life anymore so he moved to the middle of the redwoods in northern california in the rainforest and he had a campground there the best part of california yeah it's the like one of the two red counties in california but um (laughs) he uh he started a campground and he had like-minded people would come every year and you know for in exchange for uh a campsite people were willing to work for him and help him run this campground and he got to live out his days living the lifestyle he wanted to live and he built a community simply by giving them a place to go and um it it was a place called camp klamath if you're interested in looking into it i know that the uh original owner recently died but um you know for a good many years he lived Uh, the life he wanted to live Was it was it your episode or some other podcast I was listening to that was talking about that where they said like they had an issue? <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds fucking retarded, but they had an issue with bears where the bears would come in because the fucking uh, retarded citizens that weren't the owner would feed the bears and the bears would come in for the food. And they would continue to feed them. And so they ended up having a bear problem. And it fucking mauled people. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> like that was the... Like that was a story behind... It was. It's like a whole fucking book. Like, yeah, fucking that, that wasn't me, homie. That was not me. <laughs> but... but I'm, I'm thinking maybe it was status quo which is also a fantastic podcast that literally everyone should listen to. Ohio boys uh, have the biggest dicks. Can confirm. Uh, yeah, also Virginia <laughs> boys are pretty good. Um, but... <laughs> I heard but Washington no, has it going too. Uh, I actually do hear that. They also have great mustaches. Uh, uh, but moving on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I forgot who it was that actually did that. It may have been Fagcast or something. I don't fucking know. But 
but yeah. Good there's, stuff. There's other But it was places. about fucking bears that mauled the whole town. Don't feed the fucking bears, dumbass. <laughs> I mean, come I on. I know. Like, why did be... Bears are cute and all, but... Until they you know, fucking eat you. Just... Stop doing that. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> um, two other places <laughs> exactly. that come to mind. One is permanent. And one is nomadic. Um, there is a place, once again, oddly enough, in California that is called Slab City. And it is <laughs> as close as an anarchist slab, S-L-A-B, city. And you can go there. You can oh, okay. There. And... You know, like, there's no cops, there's no regulations. I believe it's an old Air Force base that was abandoned. And there's a group of, you know, several hundred people that make As it, it should home. be. Right. And some people just camp there. Some people actually have built tiny homes and, you know, are there semi-permanently. And there, I'm sure, other communities like this. The last example I have for building community is a thing that um, you can even do as a nomad. It's um, was, I don't know if it was started by, but it's uh, been promoted by and carried on by the uh, cheap RV living dude. It's called the uh, Rubber Tramp Revival. And they do mm -hmm. it in January or February in Arizona every year. A huge caravan of people come and they camp and they swap job opportunities. Um, you know, there there are people that show up there like a job fair almost to for employment. And you know, solar guys will show up there to do solar on RVs, and it's geared towards people who live a mobile lifestyle. And that is a great way to build community without having a campground or putting your own property at risk, you can come up with something like that, like Childerberg, like the RTR, like uh, Pork Fest. You know, you can build community at places Fuck that are Porkfest. <laughs> at places that are already happening. You know, there's there's a reason that bikers go to Sturgis every year and it's not to look at Harleys. It's for the camaraderie. It's for the community. Well, partially look at Harleys. Well, that depends. <laughs> but yeah, I mean uh, so think a little bit outside. I got, I got thoughts on this. All right. Um so there it, there's several subreddits uh the ones that i can think off hand are upland uh like r slash upland uh r slash van dwellers uh mm -hmm. there's people who are literally just nomads that take these mm -hmm. you know fifteen hundred dollar vehicles like a uh honestly if you were cool enough you could totally get a GMC Vandura like the A-Team and build an <laughs> Uplander vehicle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And you could 
camp in that for the rest of your fucking life and you could totally be the most badass van dweller with a wall of guns for the rest of your life Dude, rogan just did an episode so, on I mean, this that's with uh totally tom an option green. uh tom green's actually doing that so he he bought like an old tom Dodge. Tom, tom green yeah so he bought an old uh, Dodge Promaster 2500, and he's he's living out of it, and he's just completely nomadic. He's just traveling around, and he's podcasting while he's doing it, and he's recording music and Fantastic. just doing a bunch of different weird shit. But like this was, I just listened to it last night. Rogan and and him did an episode, and it it's really interesting. He was, just, he was talking about the Uplander movement and all of that it's there there's a lot of people doing this it is a community even you know if it's one you don't you, you don't necessarily have to know everyone very well it's just like you were saying about Sturgis like it's like it's the camaraderie and having that resource to some degree I guess there was a time in my life where for my job I built carnival rides like um the music express or the uh I- bumper car any north american bumper car that you've ever ridden was built in ohio at this place that i worked and um we met some carnies you know they bring in old rides to trade in on a new ride or whatever and you'd meet these people and they have camps in florida mainly uh down south and like gypsies yeah exactly and that's how they live and they have a community, even if they're hundreds of miles apart, they still have a net and they run into each other because, well, you work the fair circuit, you're going to run into people time after time. And they build community, even yeah, though it's... they don't have a permanent residence. And, you know, there's there's no rules. It's It's, it's anarchy in a way you haven't thought of it. And it really impressed me when I first observed it. So, and um, when I was living in Georgia, I noticed a weird concentration of gypsies. Like these, uh, <laughs> it was, it was kind of exactly like you're talking about. They're all fucking carnies and con people. Uh, they will paint your house with watered down paint. And next thing you know, you're walls are peeling or whatever but there's a weird concentration of gypsies and it was nothing to just drive down the road and see a house with tin foil on the windows with the shiny side facing out just showing and there's a, a odd number of palm readers and it was George just freaking weird with people with like big hair and that steals shiny things from you when they fuck you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, gypsies are weird. <laughs> does uh, does Canada have a gypsy uh, population? Uh, not that I know of. It's a shame. We have a Mennonite population, but not a gypsy population. Totally. It kind of reminds oh. me. Uh, I was thinking of. I think of gypsies. I can't help but think of the show My Big Fat American Gypsy Wedding and <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I think of. 
Oh, wow. We call that my big fat Greek wedding, which is kind of the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good movie, too. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, gypsies are just the worst, and they steal all your shit. Well, now I have to add a blanket statement. Yeah. Yeah. Not all of them. I'm sure there's a good good uh, gypsies Y'all know gypsies? Do you know gypsies? I've met. I mean, like actual gypsies, like gypsies that put tin foil on gypsy. the windows to keep the bad spirits out. Well, that's not all gypsies. You've got to stop dating witches. That that is literally <laughs> all gypsies. If you're, uh, I, t- <laughs> I can't. I, I literally can't, can't help myself. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> That's another Can I need one like a tarot uh, reading later? So, but yeah. <laughs> Did they put a spell a on reading. you? Like I, I, yes. I'm. I, I honestly believe I'm probably cursed if gypsies if gypsies are a thing. So well, that's because yeah. you're talking shit. Uh, but anyway, that's also <laughs> another episode. Literally another episode. Like I could go on and on. <laughs> We're going to send you on a uh, gypsy hunt where you have to go and live with the gypsies for like two weeks and report back. I'll become a gypsy. I'll end up being a gypsy. Gonzo journalism at its finest. You I end just, up with a trad wife, so you end up winning anyways. Let's see. No, I'll be a gypsy and I'll paint everyone's house with watered-down paint that'll just fucking peel and then you'll be like, what did you do? And then we'll We'll just talk about it on the next episode. I feel like you had one or two really bad personal experiences <laughs> yeah. that are clouding a whole. A Who whole hurt you? Yeah, one or two is a fucking word <laughs> for it. That's for sure. Paint your house, man. You gotta paint your own house. No, it's literally been my whole life. <laughs> they steal shiny shit, and they're like fucking crows. Or they're just pirates. awful. <laughs> Are you calling gypsies ferrets? <laughs> ferrets and crows. Gypsies are ferrets and crows, yes. Oh, fuck me. Well, so <laughs> That's the title is... of the episode right there. <laughs> gypsies are ferrets and crows. <laughs> since this episode has taken such a turn, I would like to invite everyone to take a turn into your corner ATF store. And to tell you more about that, we, uh, we have the, the spokesman for ATF corner stores, Mr. Ty Rance. Howdy, folks. Ty Rant here. Let me ask you a question. You ever wake up and realize, man, I need beer, bullets, and backy. Well, ordinarily, that'd be a morning's worth shopping. Wouldn't it be a whole lot easier if you could pick all that up at the same place? Well, boy, have I got some great news for you. Coming to a corner near you soon, the ATF. Alcohol, tobacco, firearms, all available to you as they should be. You need a case of Killians, a Kimber, a pack of Camels? We'll take care of you. You need a pack of Reds, a Ruger, a bottle of rum? Sure you do. Swing on by your local ATF corner store, nation's leader in convenience. Be sure to tell them Ty Rant sent you. Why, thank you, ATF. That was the best thing you've ever done. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) 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 Laughing at my own joke, edit that out. Uh, So... (laughs)
OPSEC is something that's actually extremely important for anyone who gives a single shit about liberty, which if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously do. So please continue giving a single shit about liberty. Um, (laughs) Don't let us ruin it for you. But don't go telling... (laughs) Don't don't just go telling everyone that you... uh, want to secede from the union because apparently that's actually a bad thing to do as you can tell from the 1985 move and uh waco and ruby ridge and honestly the it, the, the the list is endless so if you actually decide to start broadcasting your intentions uh maybe do it with some code words (laughs) yeah secede without saying things uh just kind of start using things like uh proxy servers ham radios which you don't you actually do not need a license to listen to ham radios you can get a ham radio set up i mean you can spend thousands of dollars on it and just listen to it without the fcc coming up your ass and they will come right the fuck up your ass (laughs) so make sure that you uh, mind your P's and Q's. Just listen. You do not need a license to listen. And if the whole thing ever then, goes tits uh, up. Use proxy servers. Right, yeah. If uh, And everything will go tits up. That That is fucking guaranteed. There's, yeah. And you can communicate without the AT or worrying about the... Uh... The who the fuck are they? I don't even care enough to remember right. their name. The SEC. government. Oh, yeah, the SEC. SEC. Oh, that's the Securities Exchange Commission. That's stock. Once the FCC, once the government collapses, <laughs> the FCC collapses. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want. <laughs> so support collapsitarianism. Mm. Uh, and so once the FCC actually collapses, then you can actually use a ham radio, which is actually useful for literally everything. Uh, you can actually use regular internet to communicate with people because the FCC is you know, necessarily disbanded. Uh, you don't want anyone monitoring you, so use a VPN. Uh, they can easily tell when you're using a VPN, but they can't do anything beyond that. So yes, they will be able to tell you're using a VPN and they're just like, oh, the only thing they can do is go, this guy's using the VPN, but they can't tell anything beyond that. So yes, VPNs are still good. People will tell you that they're not because they can easily tell you're using one. Of course they can. They develop this technology to do so uh but yeah 
So just do everything you possibly can. VPN, proxy servers, ham radio, all that stuff. All goes back Keep into the gray man out. tactics thing from... It, 100%. Great, gray man tactics are literally the most important thing you could do. Gray man tactics are amazing. I love it. Full, full supporter. I'd say the other thing to keep in mind, even with people that are in your, you know, not in your inner circle, maybe that you're just friendly with, remember, they don't need to know what stockpiles you have. They don't need to know what weapons you have. They don't need to know if you have a 3D printer or if you have reloading equipment. Consider all the things that could be easily made illegal, and if, if something that you possess falls in that category, maybe don't talk about it. You know, when your friends come over for a barbecue in the summer, don't take them and show them the weed patch. They don't need to know about that. You can smoke, a, you can smoke it with them when it's done. They don't need to know because, you know, tempt me not, Satan. And to go back to Ben's point, people kind of suck as a species. And it's better to not tempt them lest they disappoint you. <laughs> so keep that in mind. OPSEC isn't just in your communications. You have to protect your whole operation. You know, be very careful who knows your name. There's power in a name, especially with the availability of information on the internet. I mean, with a name and some effort and maybe $20 to a pay site, you can get a whole lot of fucking information about somebody. And, you know, right. be cognizant of that. Spokio, you don't even need to pay for that. You heard it here first. <laughs> so consider what you say in your day-to-day -day. like you know you, you have to decide what level is good for you you know you can tell yeah. somebody hey i'm a hunter but just from telling somebody that you're a hunter you're telling them a lot you're you're telling them that you're armed with at least a bow a shotgun maybe a muzzle loader, possibly a rifle hey maybe you've got a long slide 10 millimeter you can hunt a deal I with do. all these things. Yes, I do. <laughs> so be very careful, <laughs> you know, just something as simple as telling somebody, fuck yeah, I hunt deer. You can make a lot of uh, a lot of assumptions just based on that innocent little bit of knowledge. So there's, keep that in mind. There's a line to ride there. Which should not be mind. illegal, by the way. Nothing should be. There's there's a line that you have to ride there between right being transparent enough to develop a, a trustworthy relationship and keeping your cards on the table, um, or or rather not putting your cards on the table. You you want to there's certain shit you obviously don't want everyone to know, and you just detailed that well. But sometimes there's things that people need to know for the sake of your so-called community. And it's, it's riding that line and determining, is this information crucial to this person for, the, uh, for our collective survival or sustainability of this 
mutualistic relationship. And if it's not a necessity, chances are you don't need to disclose that information just in your own best interest. That's a good point. Callie, do you have anything to say on OPSEC? I'd say She's that probably I agree with... <laughs> probably. <laughs> the feds are always listening anyways. You never Mounties. know. They're mountains. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Trudeau is a, is a uh, subscriber. <laughs> no, no, it's not Justin Trudeau. It's Justin Cucto. That's true. Ed Blackface. Man, that guy's such a fucking cuck. <laughs> He's a literal cuck. <laughs> I I would say I don't really have much to add because on the on the topic that I think Dan and Ben covered it all, and so did you. What's your favorite VPN? Express VPN. It says I'm in Seattle. All right then. I used I used Express for a while, but I I ended up paying for Nord. Uh, not a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> same with Proper Twelve. Proper Twelve Nord Nord VPN or not a sponsor. But if they want to be, just make sure you contact us and we'll be fine with it. Yeah, Connor, we're Irish <laughs> and we drink your whiskey. Yes. Yeah. Who the fuck is that guy? Please, Connor. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Literally every day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the uh uh i use nordvpn all the time pay for that subscription it's amazing i love it i absolutely love it that is good information to know all right and that's our show for this week i'd like to thank you for spending some time with us at the escape to autonomy podcast i have been your host gonzo you can find me on twitter at gonzo01201 you can find callie at callie underscore th kitty you can find dan at space lowdy l-a-w-d-y you can find ben at big shoot 762 all on twitter if you'd like to get in touch with the show we have a proton mail that would be escape to autonomy at protonmail.com we are on all social media, from Twitter to Facebook to Reddit to Instagram, uh, Discord. Join our Discord. We'd love to see you there. Uh, and, yeah, sincerely, thank you for spending some time with us, and we will see you again next week.